So prayer, friends, and God. Today is Palm Sunday. It is a pretty important church calendar thing, to say the least. Every church calendar, it's there. It's the day that you're supposed to celebrate the triumphant entry of Jesus Christ into Jerusalem. So we're going to be looking at the story of uh, Palm Sunday, and we're also going to be looking at the story of Jesus' travail in the Garden of Gethsemane, because there's some lessons that I have learned from that that I want to share with you all today. So turn your Bibles with me, if you will, to the 19th chapter of the book of Luke. And I'll wait for you just for a, a moment. Thank you. Yeah, when you arrive at the destination, just go ahead and say that. That helps me. Whether you're in leather bound or in your device, Luke chapter 19, I'm going to read verses 28 through 38. After he had said these things, he was going on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he had approached Bethphage and Bethany, near the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you. There as you enter, you will find a colt tied on, a colt tied on, which no one yet has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. Verse 31, if anyone asks you why are you untying it, you shall say the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as Jesus had told them. Verse 33, as they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, well, the Lord has need of it. They brought it to Jesus and they threw their coats on the colt. They put Jesus on it. And as he was going, they were spreading their coats on the road. And as soon as he was approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles which they had seen, shouting, Blessed is he, excuse me, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace on, peace in heaven and peace, I'm sorry, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. It was prophesied in the Old Testament that the Messiah would actually enter Jerusalem this way, that the individual who would deliver the Jews would ride into Jerusalem on the colt of a donkey, and the Jewish people apparently thought that Jesus would somehow free them from the government oppression. <laughs> well, we can relate to some of that right now, right? Yeah. To the Roman authorities, and, and believe that, that when the Messiah came, he would ride in on, they figured, probably a, a white mighty steed, a, a horse to, as the conquering king, because the people actually saw Jesus as an earthly king. That's what they figured the Messiah was going to be, was going to be an earthly king to restore the kingdom of David. And quite frankly, this is one of the first challenges and problems that Jesus encountered along the way when he entered into Jerusalem. Jesus did not come to give the Jewish people freedom from the Roman oppression. He came to give them freedom from the religious law and the religious traditions that had been set down for them for years and years. We've been talking about that for weeks and weeks. You see, the Jewish people did not understand that Jesus came to set them free from being slaves to tradition. And not all those traditions were bad. I mean, I kind of like the one where children are supposed to take care of their parents when the parents get older. Can I get away? 
but we can't cherry pick the law. So we, all right, whatever, I can't, can't use that one. But he came to free them from the traditions that kept them from having a relationship with God. See, before they had a relationship with the temple, they had a relationship with the sacrifices, they had a relationship with them, the earthly high priest, but not with God. So in essence, Jesus' first problem in that, that march uh, into Jerusalem in today's story was that people didn't really understand who he was. They had a misguided opinion of who this guy riding on this donkey was and all these people laying down their palm branches and their coats and other things and crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, the scripture is very, very clear all the way back into the Old Testament that Jesus was going to die. The Messiah was going to die in Jerusalem, which in mind kind of poses the second challenge that Jesus had, and I would say probably his biggest challenge. Not only did the people think that uh, he was going to be an earthly king, but now the religious leaders were making plans to find a way to assassinate him, to kill him. Uh, it makes matters worse, you know, what, it makes matters worse that Jesus, he knew even before going into Jerusalem that this is what was going to face him. He already knew that going in. How many of us, if you knew that you were going to drive into St. Louis and somebody was waiting on the corner to kill you, would go, let's drive to the corner. No, you probably wouldn't. Be like, let's go to Breckenridge instead. It'll be all right, you know, kind of thing. Uh, I mean, how would you act if you knew that someone would, wanted, wanted to kill you? You would do your best to avoid that situation. I, I know I would. Uh, I'm, I mean, maybe, maybe you'd even panic. Uh, more than likely, none of us would be calm, cool, and collected. Someone is after me, and I know they're after me, and they want to kill me. Not because they were making plans, not just because they were already making plans to kill him, but he's the son of God. He knew the end of the story. Before the story page ever got turned, he knew that this was going to happen. Now, I don't know about you, but I think I'd be a little bit more than a little nervous about it. So Jesus shows us another way to deal with our fears, another way to deal with our challenges. Chapter 22 of the book of Luke is simply a reference. I'm not going to go there, but it's the story of, uh, that tells us that after the Last Supper, uh, Jesus took his disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane. My daughter always used to tease me because Erica, I'd always say it Gethsemane or something. I don't. I'd say it backwards. But anyway, Jesus took his disciples to this garden, and he had a night of serious travail in prayer. He was so anxious about in his in his earthly body and who he was as a hundred percent man. He was hundred percent God and hundred percent man. So let's not forget that. And the 100% man part of him was in travail about what he was going to face. The Bible teaches us that even the blood capillaries in his skin broke loose and it, he, his sweat turned to blood. It's an actual medical condition that happens to people that are under great, great anxiety and great stress. And so here our, our Savior is in the garden and he's asking God to spare him from the pain of the cross. He's asking God to spare him from the humiliation of being crucified. He's really asking God to spare his life. He's saying, Lord, isn't there another way? Was his exact words. 
Isn't there another plan? And of course, we know that there, this was the plan. So number one on your handouts is the first thing a person needs to do to begin to solve a problem is pray. That's what Jesus did. I don't know that there were any other times in his entire ministry when the human side of Jesus came to the surface so much that he was under distress and anxiety. But in this setting, we see the man side of Jesus under great stress and anxiety. There's any one of us in this room, whether even this week, potentially even today, have faced severe anxiety and distress. And we're learning a lesson from our Savior here to say, you know, the first thing that a person needs to do to solve this problem is pray. Is pray. Amen? Luke records that Jesus was strengthened after he prayed. We need to pray for strength, not to be afraid of the problem, because problems come along and they can be scary. Lots of problems are that way. And I'm certain that when Jesus prayed that night in the garden, he was a little bit more than just a little troubled. The history of him sweating droplets of blood shows us that the human side of Jesus was seriously troubled by what was in front of him. And for the Son of God to go to Father God and say, can't you change your mind on this? That's a huge deal. I'll talk about it in a minute ago, but it comforts my soul to know that Jesus was 100% God, yes, but he was also 100% man. And he can sympathize with every trouble that we have in life. He experienced them in his humanity. So, you know, I'm, really, what person in their right mind wouldn't be afraid of being crucified? There's even a chance there, and I'm not saying Jesus was fearful, so don't think I'm preaching heresy. But in that moment, there was so much anxiety and distress, potentially even being afraid of what he had to endure, that he asked Father God, come on, Dad, surely there must be some other part of the manual that says we can do this differently. And there wasn't. And so Jesus said, I need to go pray. And, he, and you know, and so he went to the garden and he prayed and he was strengthened. Jesus prayed for strength and that's what you and I need to do as well. When we're facing difficult situations, when we're facing troubling decisions, when we're facing grief, when we're facing depression, when we're facing stress or anxiety, we need to pray. Amen? Keep your knees bent to heaven. Listen, y'all, as Christians, you need to know that there's nothing wrong with being troubled by a problem. You know, there's no need to panic over it. We don't need to panic. Panic doesn't solve a thing. It doesn't help you in any way, shape, or manner. With God strengthening, strengthening us, we can approach our problems with a clear mind and make it through that situation. And that really lends itself to number two on your handout, and that is we need to pray for strength so that we will see the problem through to the end. Every problem's got its beginning, its middle, and its ending. And many people, when they get to the middle of a problem, they just throw their hands up in the air and give up. But you've got to see it through all the way to the end. Even this week in one of the 714s, uh, Steve and Deanna spoke about Lot and his wife who turned uh, around and was turned into a pillar of salt. Do you realize that she looked back? right in the moment of her deliverance, right in the midst of her deliverance. A few more steps, 
and deliverance was hers to have. That's so true for each one of us. We can't stop halfway through the trouble. And Jesus himself told us that every day has got enough trouble of its own. Right on? So, I mean, how many of you here know someone or have known someone that when a difficult problem comes along, they just simply stop trying to solve it? Can, I, can I, anybody? I mean, I've seen people like that over and over again. It's sort of like a, a slow-moving car, and it comes to the speed bump, and it doesn't have enough speed to get over the bump, so it just stops right there. And all they got to do is get over the speed bump in their life. In order to solve any problem, a person's got to be willing to see it through to the other end, to see it through until it's solved. You can't give up in the middle of your problems. Jesus asking Father God for another way was not giving up because his immediate words after asking was not my will, Father, but your will be done. There was no giving up in Jesus. Amen? He went through his troubled moment. He hit hit that speed bump and got some air time. Come on, y'all. Uh, It did not stop him. And so, you know, we just need to recognize that human part of Jesus. He recognized this. He went to the Father in prayer in the garden, and we need to do the same. When you're in the dark moments, pray. Don't tuck away in fear and panic. Pray for God to give you the strength. And the best thing to pray for is give me strength to see this thing through to the end because I know you got a good answer for me on the other side of it. Can I get an amen from someone? So continuing on with our story, Jesus asked some of his disciples to go with him in this prayer moment. And he he said to them, you stay here and pray while I go over there and pray. And I don't know whether that's because he just needed to be seriously alone or, or that his disciples didn't want to see him in such travail. But nonetheless, they wouldn't have seen him anyway because they fell asleep. Jesus came back two more times and found them sleeping. That's really not the point here. The point that I want to get at is number four, uh, excuse me, number three. When we're facing a problem, it's good to have other people stand with you. Are you hearing me? Now, not just anybody. You don't need a negative Nelly standing with you. They're just going to bring you down. You don't even need a positive Paul. Okay, because they're just going to get... Po- you need someone who know, knows Christ, has gone through some stuff, a person that you can trust. Because there's times when you're in deep trouble, you don't even want to share the details of your situation even with your closest person. You just need them to stand with you. You need a friend that can stand with you. You need a friend that can pray with you. You need a friend that can pray for you. Jesus showed us this example He's troubled. I'm going to the garden and praying. I'm not going to go alone. I'm going to take my three most trusted friends with me and have them stand with me in this trouble. And I realize that some problems are just too serious to, and too personal to, uh, that it's probably best to keep the details to yourself, right? But that doesn't mean you can't have your friends stand with you. One of the things that I love most about God is that he knows everything. <laughs> there isn't anything that gets by him. Nothing escapes him. When you ask people to pray, you don't have to tell them what the situation is. 
You just got to ask them to stand with you and to pray with you because you trust them and you love them and they're, they're close to you. Amen? After all, we all need a little bit of help now and then. We need to pray for strength and we need, to, we need the support of people that we can trust. Amen? Now finally, finishing up our, our story, Jesus trusted his Father's will. And this is number four. Remember that Jesus said, "Not you know, Lord, please, turn the page. There's got to be another plan. I'm paraphrasing. But he said, no, don't turn the page. I know what your will is. Your will be done. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. Now, why could he do that in such a terrible situation? He trusted his father. He knew that Papa God was going to see them through that situation. So that's number four. We need to trust that God knows what we're going through and that he knows just what we need. That's important because many of us feel like we know what we need, and so we tell God what we need and then expect him to do what we say. (laughs) We just need to submit our will to him as Jesus did in the garden and say, I got a need here, I'm in trouble, but your will be done. And trust that God has the best plan for you. Just believe that it's true. There's a great illustration about Corey Tinboom. You may have heard of her. She is a survivor of the Nazi concentration camps in World War II. She told a story about when she was a little girl in Europe, and she's waiting with her father at the train station to catch a train. Uh, things were as she was waiting. She began to get worried about things, and she she kept picking up her suitcase and then setting it back down because she was concerned that she got her suitcase when she got on the train. She tried all sorts of things to move it. It was too heavy. She was just too much for her. Uh, And her father just stood by and watched what was going on in the whole scene. And as it came closer and closer to the time to get on the train, she became more and more worried about the suitcase. And her father uh, didn't seem interested in helping her. He wasn't doing anything but just standing there while she was fussing and fighting over the suitcase. She kept struggling to move it and to have it closer to her. But when it came time to get on the train, catch this, when it came time for Corey Ten Boom to get on the train, her dad just automatically reached down and picked up the suitcase and carried it for her. Now, when we struggle with our problems and we ask God for help, we need to understand and realize that he'll help us exactly when we need it and how we need it, not just because we need it. All right? Corey's father didn't help her before time because it would serve no purpose for him to stand there and hold the suitcase. The idea was to get the suitcase off the tarmac and into the train. So at the moment when it was necessary, her dad grabbed that suitcase to help her. God will be the same for you. He will be an ever-present help in time of trouble, and you need to trust in him that he will come through at the right moment, right when you need it, right when he's supposed to. He's got your suitcase, so to speak. Amen? You'll be all right if you just trust in him. God's help comes when we need it, which is not always when we want it. Let me repeat that again because it's number five on your paper. God's help comes when we need it, which is not always when we want it. I think it's interesting that Corey Timboom in her writings remembered that moment and could connect it to trusting in Father God as well. It's a beautiful story. God knows exactly what you're going through. 
He knows the trouble that you're feeling, the anxiety that you're feeling. He knows exactly what you need to get through it. But he's, you know, we've always heard that God, you know, uh, never shows up late. He may wait till the last second, but he never shows up late because he knows when you need it, when you need to see his hand carrying the weight. And remember that he's got firsthand experience. Our Lord completely understands what it means and what it feels like to have severe problems. I would wager there's not a person in this room who's had a moment of anxiety, a literal physiological condition, that you were so anxious and so troubled that your sweat turned to droplets of blood. It's an actual physical condition where the, the blood vessels and capillaries open up, mix with the, the sweat, and it appears that you're a bloody mess. No, none of us. None of us. But Jesus has. <laughs> if he's gone that far to understand our anxieties, he's got you. He's got you covered. Can I get an amen? Jesus, as I said earlier, he was not only 100% God, but in, in a supernatural way that I don't need to try to explain, he was also 100% man, 100% God, 100% man. And I can take, personally, I can take great, great comfort in knowing that because Jesus was human as well as God. I've had my anxious moments, never had one so deep that you know, my capillaries burst and my blood mingled with my sweat. But my Savior has. <laughs> I'm touched by that even in this very moment. Is if he had such anxiety to been there, there's no level of anxiety that I've ever reached that was as deep as he already journeyed. That should bring us peace. He's got us in the midst of the storm. He understands when I'm frust when I'm frustrated. He understands when I feel like pulling my hair out. That is, if I had any hair to pull out. But we need a little help now and then, right? Uh, Jesus that night in the garden was no exception. And I want you to get this. This is number six. It's the last one. If the Son of God can ask for help, so can we. <laughs> Come on, y'all. We think we're of little faith when we go asking for help. Or that we are untrusting when we go ask. If, if my Savior, my Jesus, could go to the Father and ask for help, so can I. Because I will never suffer what he suffered. I will never have the anxiety that he endured. And he went to the Father and said, Father, I need you through this. And you and I can do the same thing and go to Father God. I imagine there are probably a few here today that may even currently be dealing with some issues, some problems, and you're saying, okay, Pastor, I, I, let me see if I understand what you're saying. If I pray, and if I ask God to strengthen me, and I, and I ask other people to support me in prayer and to just be there for me, and if I just trust in God that, uh, that he knows what I need, that everything's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. See, we don't take that journey very often. It's important to understand that our problems do not normally just go away because we ask God for help. We go to God like it's, it's more, he's a waiter taking an order at, for a meal. 
And we're upset when we don't get our meals right. Huh? And we adjust our tip based on that service. He shows up at the table already knowing what we need. And we think we know what we need, so we make an order based on what we need. And if he's, you know, Jesus, is, he's probably going, that's not, that's not what you need. I know what you need. Trust in me, the Lord would say. And so we need to understand that just because you do all those things and you ask for help and you take a friend with you and you trust in God, that doesn't mean that you're going to get your answer right now. It doesn't mean that all your problems are going to be solved in that moment. That's why you got to make it through. You can't be at, stop at the speed bump. you got to make it through the trouble, Dave. God had made, as far as I know, uh, he hasn't made a mistake yet. God has made no mistakes, and I feel confident that as you go to God with your issues, he is not going to make a mistake helping you either. And there's no issue that you could ever take to him that's as big as any issue as your Savior Jesus Christ faced giving his life for you. No issue. So go to him. God knows what he's doing. We just have to trust that. There may be others here this morning, and you're saying to yourselves, fine for you, Pastor Rick. You're a professional at this. You've got a red phone in the bottom right-hand drawer of your desk. Just call on God. He answers at the, no, y'all, come on. I'm just a dude who accepted an assignment from Father God. My assignment is to pastor a church. And, and I was Rick Lopez a long time before I was ever Pastor Rick. And I can tell you, there's many times in life that Rick Lopez gets in the way of everything else. Don't look at me like y'all holy, because you know that you get in your own way a lot too. Come on, y'all. Amen? And so, prayer is such a simple thing for us. Many people are like, okay, Pastor, you pray really good, and you know what to say, and you know all the scriptures, blah, 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 blah. But prayer is a simple thing. Prayer is nothing more than you talking with God. And having a conversation with him, just like you'd have a conversation with one of your friends and just talk with him, and just like you would tell one of your friends your problems. Tell the, the serious friend in heaven your problems as well. Uh, and, and he'll be there for you. You don't need fancy words. You don't need to be all super spiritual. In fact, that's probably more fake religion than it is sincere prayer anyway. You don't need a special prayer voice. God, You know, start pronouncing God like it's spelled G-A-W-D. <laughs> Father, Papa, I'm troubled. I need your help. I got a couple friends that are praying for me, and I want you to know I trust you. I'm still hurting, and I'm still a mess, but I, I'm going to trust you to help me get through this. Give me the strength, Lord. Just, just, just talk. Just talk to him. You don't have to be all like, woohoo, what a prayer. <laughs> all right, in closing, today is Palm Sunday. And Jesus enter, entered Jerusalem. And as he entered into Jerusalem, everyone thought that he was going to bring about a revolution, that he was going to overthrow the Roman government and deliver them from Roman oppression. People in that moment were probably breathing a sigh of relief because they thought that their troubles were going to soon be over. And of course, our examination of the story says they were wrong about that. Amen. 
We, however, can have confidence, and we can apply the basic problem-solving skills of prayer. Sharon, just one of the best-solving problem skills there are, just pray, have trust in friends, trust in God, and wait. And your answer will come. It may not come the way you want it. It may not come when you want it. But this is a solution to our problems. We all need a little help now and then. And Steve, Jesus showed us that. And one of the things that the Lord inspired my heart with more than anything else as it relates to this sermon is that if Jesus asks for help, so can I. If your Savior asks for help in a serious moment, so can you. Some might look at that moment of Jesus in the garden and go, he had, a, he had a moment of doubt and a lack of faith. No, no, no. He had a moment of anxiety and apprehension about things that were in front of him, but he didn't have any doubts about his father. Amen. And you need not have it either. If you can believe it and receive this message this morning, would you give the Lord a praise in the house of God? <laughs> amen, amen, amen. Would you bow your heads with me for a minute? Father, we, we come to you now in prayer and we ask that, that we can have the strength to make it through our troubles, make it through our anxieties, make it through our situations. And we proclaim today, Lord, as a body of believers and as individuals in this house, we proclaim together that we trust you and we know that you know the end from the beginning. And you know what we truly need, even though we think we do. Help us to be sensitive to your voice. Help us to be sensitive to your drawing so that we can rely completely upon you and not upon self. Help us to walk away from today knowing that all it takes is prayer, friends, and God. And may we walk away from today also knowing that if our Savior asks for help, so can we. We know that you hear our prayers and that you hear them always, and we thank you. I don't like to leave a service without giving people an opportunity to set their lives in order with God. You know, there's times when we're red hot for God, and then there's times when we are idle in what we're doing and we draw we grow lukewarm in that relationship and we just need to reboot so to speak recommit and then there's some that maybe you've never made a decision for Christ maybe you've never said Lord forgive me of my sins and I receive you as my Savior and my Lord if any one of you fit into those categories, I just want to take a moment to pray with you. If you'd raise your hand and just let me know if you want to recommit your life to the Lord today or if you'd like to receive him into your heart for the very first time, I'd love to have a chance to pray for you. I'll wait just for a few seconds. Is there anyone at all? Then I will trust and believe by that response that everybody in this room is ready to meet Jesus when, when the appointment comes. Amen. Give the Lord a praise in the house.